church. Uh, let's open up with prayer. Lord God, I ask that you would lead us as we uh, hear your word and uh, lead us in applying it. Uh, thank you so much for the word that you've given us, God, uh, and for the messages you gave us through Darren. Lord, I pray that uh, these eyewitness accounts that you provided us, Lord, that we would accept them, God, just like we can remember where we were at September 11th. Lord, we know these these accounts remembered in detail what happened to you, Jesus. And we thank you so much for uh, God inspiring them to write it down. It's in uh, Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So I apologize in advance for um, my uh, allergies that are taking place. I'm not really sick. I just have allergies. We live in a weed patch. And uh, uh, th- this this year, I've I've tried my best to mow as much as I could to you know I- I've declared war on weeds. It's been my mission to destroy all the weeds around my house. Well, evidently, I haven't done a good enough job, or uh, somebody else has a weed patch somewhere that they're blowing there. So I still have still have allergies, but that's been my mission. Uh, speaking of missions, we are going through Paul's missionary journeys. And today we are on uh, the the last part of his third missionary journey. And Paul is on mission. So um, what we're going to discuss is is a little bit that happens in Acts chapter 19, and then we're going to move on to 20. So let me give you a background um, of what's going on. Acts chapter 19, if you remember last last Sunday, uh, he was in Ephesus. And the things that were happening in Ephesus, um, folks were... Uh, uh, tr- trying to trying to cast out demons in the name of Jesus because they seen Paul do it. They seen Paul cast cast out demons, evil spirits, uh, in the name of Jesus. And they they listened to Paul and they heard the words he said uh, in the name of Jesus. And said, well, we can use that too. We can cast out demons saying in the name of Jesus. And it didn't work because they didn't know Jesus. They didn't know the power behind that phrase. So if you don't know Jesus, then uh, you can't really use his name and his power. Um, the evil spirit that was inside the man jumped on the, the seven folks who decided to do that as a magic thing and uh, beat them and they ran away. So uh, that is where we were at last week in Ephesus. Now today, we're still in Ephesus and um, Paul is... Uh, you, He's he's traveling to a different place soon, but first, something uh, difficult happens, right? So, um, there's a fella named Demetrius, and this fella is in the industry of making uh, silver shrines to other gods, to other gods, and they make idols and and the group of them that make things for other gods are starting to get tense. Because here Paul is preaching that there is one God and one true God. And the fellows like Demetrius that earn their living making things for pagan gods are not happy. They're worked up about it. Verse uh, verse 27, I want to read to you. Um, this is about the god Artemis. Artemis is um, one of the goddesses, actually. And I want you to hear um, what Demetrius says. He says, verse 27 of chapter 19, 
He says, of course, I'm not just talking about loss of public respect for our businesses. I'm also concerned that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will lose its influence and that the the Artemis, the magnificent goddess worshipped throughout the province of Asia and all around the world, will be robbed of her great prestige. Now, I don't know what you think about that. Here's somebody who makes his money off of making things for pagan gods. And he's trying to rile up everybody else. And he says, of course I'm not just talking about loss of respect for our businesses. It sounds a little bit fake, right? That's because it is. I mean, I don't believe that he is uh, significantly or, or uh, genuinely caring about Artemis. He's got something, uh, s- something in the business here. He's got something to lose. And he doesn't want to lose his uh, way of life. So, what happens? He does get people riled up there, and they have a riot, and they go to the amphitheater, and there's this uh, big riot, and things are going on, and um, what does Paul want to do? Uh, Paul wants to go in there, right? Because Paul is in the habit of preaching the gospel. And he goes to difficult places, and he wants to go right in the amphitheater where they're rioting about what Paul is teaching Paul wants to go there. That's the kind of man Paul is. His friends, uh, they talk him out of it, and they convince him not to go in there. And then then he went to Troas, or Tros, however you pronounce it. The point is, if you're doing God's work, like Paul is, life won't be boring. Wherever Paul goes, uh, wherever he goes, and whenever he preaches two things happen. Number one, people get saved. Uh, Number two, uh, people get mad. Right? Because when you're doing something uh, that steps on someone else's toes, it makes people feel uneasy. When you're preaching the Word of God that is against something that somebody is doing, we can feel it. Uh, You know, we all uh, tend to to lean towards sin once in a while. And the Word of God is sometimes uncomfortable because He loves us and He doesn't want us to put up with that. But Paul, when he goes places, people get saved and people get mad. I want you to be the guy like Paul when you go someplace. Um, people are either getting saved or uh, the evil sin is brought to the surface. You probably know those two kinds of guys, and, and there's always the, the guy that goes somewhere, and um, you know good things happen, and the bad things that seem to lie underneath the surface somehow come up. Uh, my dad tells me a story um, on the farm when he was young. They'd have rats um, that would eat the grain, and they'd have these grain bins, and they'd back a pickup truck, and they would stick a hose on the tailpipe and run it in a rat hole underneath the grain bin, and then they'd all gather around it with, uh, with BB guns and, and, and baseball bats, and the rats would run out after it, flush them out, and they would get rid of the rats, right? So wherever Paul goes, let me let me make sure that it isn't the people, right? We're not fighting against flesh and blood. Wherever Paul goes, folks are getting saved or evil is having to come out where it can be dealt with. 
and God God deals with it. So um, if you're going to cause trouble, uh, make sure you're doing it by preaching the good word out of love. Then we move on uh, to Acts chapter 20. I'm going through these a little bit fast because I want to land at, at a little later on at, at um, Acts chapter 20, verses 18. But Paul was traveling um, in chapter 20. He starts out traveling with other men. Uh, make a point of that. Uh, the fellowship of being with other believers. This is important, guys. We gain our strength from our, our brothers and sisters who are like-minded. And we need to hang out with the other, other folks who aren't. But it makes a point of saying, Paul was traveling um, with these other men. And I could pronounce them for you, but I wouldn't do a very good job. Sopter, Aristicus, Secondus, uh, these guys. Some names about six or seven guys that he's traveling with. Paul is preaching to the people. And then he gets to Tros, and he goes to a place on, on, on the third, third floor. You guys probably know the story. And he starts preaching. And he, uh, he loves to talk about God. And he talks about God all the way till midnight. And uh, there's a young fella named Eutychus. He's, uh, he's listening for the most part. But Paul preached until midnight. It gets late. He's tired. He decides to sit in the window seal, maybe so that he can get fresh air. The window's open. He's sitting in the window. Um, and then he falls asleep. What happens? Third story, when you're sitting in the window and you fall asleep because the preacher's too boring, you fall out the window and you die. So, uh, that's what happened to this fella. The takeaway, if you're not going to listen to a preacher until midnight, or if you're going to listen to a preacher, do it at ground level so that you don't fall out the window. Okay, no, not not really. Um, You see, uh, the young man who fell out the window because the preacher kept going till midnight, he fell asleep, actually died. Paul ran down three flights of stairs or ladders or whatever they were, and he took this young man in his arms, Scripture said. He told everyone else, don't worry, he's alive. So our real takeaway here, I believe is that God can and will do miracles. Doing God's work is not boring. Even on that night when the sermon may have been long, it may have been uh, seemingly boring, we don't know, God works miracles through all situations. And then we come to Acts chapter 20, verse 18, Paul gets to a place called Miletus. Paul has arranged to meet the Ephesian elders here. So he has left Ephesus. He's not in Ephesus anymore. He's a little ways down the road. But he seems to have one more thing or another group of things that he wants to tell the elders at the Ephesus church. And so he has them come down to where he is at, at Miletus. He has important words to tell them. Important things. Must have been important. He called them down to come and meet him again. You see, Paul seems to have heard from God 
that he won't be back to this place again. Maybe the last time. The last words that he would speak to the Ephesians, at least in person. And these guys are the elders who would carry on the Lord's work. Now I want you to imagine... Imagine if you're leaving someone in charge of something very important and you knew that you wouldn't see them again, at least this side of heaven. You're not going to see them again here on earth. What would you tell them? We probably wouldn't go on about meaningless things, on and on, you know, non-important things that you don't care about. No. No. You would tell them the most important things that you had in your mind. You would use your words wisely and speak to them the most important things. Now we do this on a small scale when you leave the kids at home. Like if you're going on a date with your wife and you leave the kids at home. You you, you tell them the most important things. You know, uh, you love them. Um, Lock the doors. um, Don't forget to turn off the oven. And don't let... uh, The littler kids shoot their bows in the house. Um, You tell these important things to the kids to make sure uh, things are going to go well. So Paul tells these guys important things. Acts chapter 20, verse 18 through 27. When they arrived, he declared, You know... That from the day I set foot in the providence in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly with many tears. I have endured the trials that came for me, the plots of the Jews, and I never shrank back from telling you what you need to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me, in city after city, that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me, unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of whom, none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault, for I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. There are three important points that we can pull out of this. Starting with the message. Paul has some important things to speak, to tell these guys here. First is is the message. Verse 21 says, I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike. The necessity of repenting from sin, turning to God, and having faith in the Lord Jesus. The necessity for repenting of sin. Luke chapter 13 verse 5. 
Jesus' words. He says, no, I tell you again that unless you repent, you will perish too. The necessity. Now, what's Jesus saying here? Interestingly enough, he's uh, answering a question of some fellows who are debating on who is the worst sinner. You know, are these guys the worst sinner? Those guys must have been the worst of all sinners. And Jesus uh, redirects their view. No, I tell you again, unless you repent, you will perish too. Pointing it back to them. Man, sin is like the big equalizer. Right? It, it makes all of us in the same boat. All of us have struggled with sin. All of us are stricken with it. Uh, by the way, Sunday school this morning we had great conversation. I would encourage any of you to, who could who can um, spare the time to come to our our uh, our cross training on Sunday mornings. We get in deep, good stuff. Uh, so sin is something that we all struggle with. It all makes us equal. We all need something to be able to get to heaven. We can't do it by ourselves. We all need to repent of our sins. It's necessary. Repenting from sin. And turning to God. Uh, Paul says, turn to God. This is part of the message. Uh, Turning to God. Isaiah chapter 45 verse 22 says, Let all the world look to me for salvation. For I am God, there is no other. You know, we're going to go where we are looking. Maybe you've been driving down the road and uh, you turn around to say something to the kids and you start to go off this way a little bit. Or maybe you look at the cars behind you in that lane and and you'll turn that way. You, you, You tend to go where you look. On Friday we had our men on fire gathering. And uh, we were shooting archery. We had competition. And man, there are some good bow shooters in this church, let me tell you what. Um, they can really hit their target. So uh, w- when you're shooting at something, boy, you look right at it. You're not going to look over here. Because you look over here, you're not going to hit your mark, right? You're going to miss the mark. You focus on where you are going and on the mark that you want to hit. By the way, if you miss that mark... That's called sin, right? So, literally, sin translated as long ago as an archery term is when you miss the mark. So you focus on where you are going. You turn to God when you're not on the right track so that you're following Him. Uh, when uh, my, my little son was, was, was young... And, uh, we, you know, we have uh, four teenage girls, and so the bathrooms are, yeah, they're usually closed. And um, so uh, Flint and I, you know, we, we make a habit of going outside. And and, uh, and so well, side by side one day, and then the dog, uh, he was chasing a rabbit or something, run over here. And uh, I was right here, and Flint was right here. And so he watched that dog, right? He turned aside, and I was right here. And all of a sudden... <laughs> My leg's all wet. Uh, man, so when we follow things that detract from God, 
we get on these uh, uh, trails that lead us farther from him. And sometimes it rubs off on other people. Sometimes it affects other people. We need to keep turned to God. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Man, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Talk about uh, being focused and turned to God. Here we see why Jesus does this. We keep our eyes on Him. Keep turned in His direction. Third point we can pull from uh, this this uh, one message is having faith in our Lord Jesus. Having faith in him. Now what's faith? What's faith? Faith faith is is believing in something that you can't actually hold or see, right? Uh what is faith? Let's let's let scripture define it. Um Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says that faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Very good definition of faith here um, evidence of things we cannot see so things we cannot see how do we get more faith so that was what faith is how do we get more of it um, I mean some people would say well you just got to believe more you just got to believe it just just have more faith have you ever heard that before well, I don't know what that means. I I just don't feel good about that. I mean, I, we I agree you have to believe and you have to have more faith, but I want to know how. Romans chapter ten verse seventeen gives us a clue here, a hint. Faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. Hearing, hear the word. Read the word. Believe the word. We have it. And the more of God's word we are reading, the more we understand how real it is, how much sense it makes when it explains our lives, our character, how um, we get tempted, and it explains how much we are loved, and it explains how much he wants to give his how much he gave his life for us and how much we should accept that we can have more faith by hearing this word it's actually good news right hearing this good news that god has for our life uh and uh you know if this is good news then wouldn't you want to share the message? Paul says, I have one message. Paul's an intense man, right? Let's read verse 24. 24. 
But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Paul is intense. My life is worth nothing, he says. Man, reading these words, I can just almost feel the Holy Spirit inside of Paul as he, as he says these things with passion. My life is worth nothing. Now, I have a confession to make to you guys. When I hear the word good news... I mean, the word good news, sometimes uh, I feel a little bit discouraged. Now, why is that? For the simple fact that good news is what we call a program on Wednesday afternoons. And you guys know this kids program. Um, We we gather together in a community, and every Wednesday, um, kids from the school they get off school and they come to Good News, is the name of the program. And there's there's a you know 50 or 60 of them, and uh, kids of all different ages, and they're all running around, and and it takes every bit of patience you can use to get them to listen to the Word of God that you're trying to teach them. And just every week, when I think of of good news, and they, oh, I don't want to go to good news. <clears throat> I don't like good news. And, uh, wow. That's, that's not what Paul is teaching here. Paul is intensely saying, he said, look, this, this good news, and if he was speaking to me directly, he would, he would say, look, look, punk, the good news that, uh, you don't want to share to these little kids that you're uh, not looking forward to, that same good news makes my life worth nothing to me comparatively because I love it so much and I have devoted my life to that, to finishing that work, telling others about the good news, the work of the Lord Jesus. And so uh, my plan is, is, is to lead as a good example, right? And so I am going to look forward to that uh, program on Wednesdays. I'm going to hold my head high and be excited to share the love of Jesus to these, these kids. Um, I am going to uh, pretend, no, not pretend, I'm going to uh, walk towards good news like it is going to be life-changing. I would be pretending if I would think that good news is going to go well or uh, go fabulous and excellent. But if I realistically look at it, um, sharing the word of God is good. If one of those children get excited about the word of God, then, then that's good news. The intensity that Paul shares with these is just rubbing off and I want that to rub off on others. Uh, John 17 verse 4 I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Jesus tells us this. He brought glory to us by completing the work. Talk about intense What Jesus did for us on the cross was intense beyond 
imagination. He was intense. And you know, we can be thankful for the level of intensity of intensity that Jesus uh, took on there. You know, Paul seems to be single-minded. Have you ever heard of single-mindedness? Uh, my wife brought this up to me. Single-mindedness. Paul says, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for doing the work of the Lord. There are a lot of things going on in our lives. But put this into perspective. Uh, on a scale, in your life, think of the important things that you have. Uh, maybe, maybe younger folks, uh, you love to play a video game. And that's pretty important. Or maybe, uh, maybe basketball or, or, or football or whatever, whatever is uh, really important in your life. That's like what you do, what you're known for. Uh, one of those important things. If you had to give that away, or if that was taken from you, you might think, well, that's my life, man. Boy, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to do if I couldn't play basketball, if it was gone. But if we put that into perspective on a scale, if you take away basketball uh, as opposed to your family, take away your family, basketball isn't worth anything anymore. Uh, basketball's fun, but compared to your family, you know, you'll keep your you'll keep your family and forget basketball. And as as we uh, use this scale, we put God and his plan for your life working uh, with your family and loved ones and people. Paul says on this scale, my job of living a life that honors God and doing what he tells me to do is the most important. Everything else, it's not saying that basketball or uh, video games are bad. It's just prioritizing my whole life, if we were to take away the most important thing, which would be doing the God's work, my life would be meaningless, useless. This carries a lot of weight. It's pretty heavy, isn't it? So our third point for the, the whole chapter today is the gravity. Let me read verse 26 again. I declare today that I have been faithful, Paul says. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. He didn't shrink. <clears throat> have you ever heard the word culp culpability? Culpability? So what that means is it's, it's being held morally or legally responsible. So you're wondering, man, Paul says, well, I declare, I've been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. Why? Because he didn't shrink back from doing God's word. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 3 through 6, reminds me of this, what Paul said. He said, when the watchman sees the enemy coming, he sounds the alarm to warn the people. Then if those who hear the alarm refuse to take action, it is their own fault if they die. They heard the alarm but ignored it. So the responsibility is theirs. 
If they had listened to the warning, they could have saved their lives. But if the watchman sees the enemy coming and doesn't sound the alarm to warn the people, he is responsible for their captivity. They will die in their sins, but I will hold the watchman responsible for their deaths. God's speaking to Ezekiel here. He's telling him about the plan for a watchman and, and, and the culpability of it. He says, man, if, if the watchman doesn't do his job, what he's been asked of, then people are going to die and it's going to be on him. We have a great responsibility to spread the good news. Sometimes we think, well, everybody just mind their own business, right? Maybe that's that's a common secular view. Everybody does this and they'll be fine and, and their own thing. Don't don't get intertwined with other people's other people's uh, lives, but I mean that's not really what Paul's saying here. Uh held responsible. Held responsible. Jesus, he says go. Go and make disciples, baptize them, and teach them these things. Jesus tells us to do the things that he has taught. To share the good news. And share it like it is good news. Like you're excited about it. And it is good for people. One message, one message to share with intensity and this message is so so important more important than anything anything else will you share that message will you share the good news let's pray father god we thank you so much for the words brought to us uh, through this historical account of Paul, God, we thank you for salvation because of what you did for us on the cross and living a perfect life. Lord, we ask that you would help us to be intense when we share your word and your one message. Lord, help us to have faith by reading your word and soaking up your love for us. God, I pray now that you would go with us as we leave this building to be bold and sharing sharing the things you'd have us share. Lord, to live out the life that you've called us to. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.